Hello, welcome to the Celibate Vegan Compadres podcast. I- yay! <laughs> yay! Yeah, I'm I'm Chandler Klebs, and the yay just came from Monique Lukens, and then we have we have Mike now. Mike, do you just want to be known as Mike, or do you have, like, a last name you want people to know you by? Mike or Michael is fine. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll just call you Mike. Alrighty then. Yeah, so I'm Chandler Clubs, and I'm in Lee Summit, Missouri, and and um, Monique is, I believe you're in Sunland, California, is that correct, Monique? Yes, in the county of Los Angeles. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and then, um, and then, Mike, you're in Uruguay, right? Yep, Uruguay, South America. Yeah, that's cool. So he's like way far away from us, but we're all in Skype. That's the magic of the internet. So he truly is a compadre because their language is Spanish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So um. Since, since Mike is a, this is the first time Mike has been a guest on the Celebrating Compadres. I don't know if he there was any introduction he wanted to do to tell who he is, his background with veganism and asexuality or celibacy or anything like that. Sure. Well, to begin with the asexual slash forward slash celibate aspect, I have been identifying as such since at least. I hit puberty, which is probably around um, middle school or whatever, (laughs) junior high. I don't know, earlier than that. Anyway, for the longest time, I just thought I had the damn dislock with other people, let alone the opposite gender. And then I heard about this identification, asexual, uh, celibate, whatnot, and I read up on it, and it made sense, especially... Having grown up in a household um, that embraced a certain scientific philosophy that uh, emphasized such a lifestyle. And so that's one part of it. Also, I was born with a certain uh, neurological um, congenital disorder of the spine that happens, I think, around the 21st or second day of gestation where the neural tube becomes exposed because the vertebrae do not fuse fully. And depending on where along the spine this occurs dictates the level of damage. Luckily, mine's pretty far down, so I can walk. But uh, it's right opposite the organs of progression and the uh, root ch- chakra, if you uh, take stock in that, which governs the life-giving forces and whatnot. So that's the other contributing factor to my identification as a sexual celibate. As for veganism, um, let's see, I've been vegan since, I think, early 2000s, consistently. And again, I chalk it up to um, finally listening to the voice inside, you know, intuition, soul guidance, why not? 
common sense. And the uh, scientific philosophy, which I grew up in, surrounded by as well. And it's done amazing things for my health. I mean, sure, I'm never at 100% because of my certain conditions and whatnot. But having since having gone vegan, I'm feeling tons better. I have a considerate, considerable amount more energy. Um, just everything is improved. So yeah, wow. that's, I, I that's have better. tears coming to my eyes right now. I mean, it just seems like it was so meant to be. Yeah. Uh, one, one question I have for you is, did you say scientifically growing up that sexuality was promoted or I, I didn't quite catch that. No, the the asexual, um, uh, I forgot the other term, celibate lifestyle was advocated. In your home, great. Yes. Um, in in, in I, what I, way? You know about the Self-Realization Fellowship, Monique? Well, you just mentioned it. Why don't you tell our listeners? You mentioned it to me the other day. Uh, um, a an organization, non nonprofit, uh, founded in 1920 by a Indian Swami named Paramahansa Yogananda, who came to Los Angeles specifically to found it because it was time for something new. <laughs> and uh, basically, they don't expound anything really than just self-realization which is realizing who you are your na the nature of yourself which is soul an extension of infinite source and part of that involves controlling the baser instincts and impulses such as um libido and whatnot So that combined with the um, biophysiological aspects of the neurological uh, condition helped mold uh, my view. Oh, well, you know, of course, the self-realization. Yes, I know you mean in Pacific Palisades. Oh, yes, yes. I, I thought you meant the organization that you mentioned to me about no one procreating Chandler and you were discussing oh, yes. oh, 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 um, the, the, um, what's their name? The, yeah, we, I remember they, the volunteer for human extinction movement. Yeah. Well, maybe we can talk about that later, but let's, let's keep on the topic with the self-realization. You know, you mentioned about the base chakra and it's very interesting because I took, some Reiki classes, and this is where I was um, exposed to the, the chakra system. Now, I think that the base goes different ways for people. Some would say, like, the base, it's the lowest point. It's like the primal. We want to get away from it. But yet, some spiritual people are so for sexual relations because it brings you to a higher level. That's, you know those types. 
And I'm not discrediting it. I mean, if two married people are producing a child, like they are elevated by I'm spiritual, but, you know, probably hormonal as well. Mm. Um, but there's the other spiritual types that feel that the abstinence or not just abstinence, but pure celibate, never going to do it, not just abstaining for a certain amount of time, that yeah. that has a high spiritual vibration. And I think oh, that definitely. those two groups of spiritual people are in constant dispute, just as the two groups of spiritual people are in dispute with those that are carnivores and say that the creatures came down and they wanted to experience a certain life. They wanted to experience that they were going to be in a factory farm or on someone's plate. They were going to give their life up for that. And then there's a spiritual group that says, no, you know, we want to, uh, we, we, we want to just have plant material, leave the animals alone, be on a higher vibration that way. So I feel that there's a constant like split between, you know, the whole spiritual society. And I think that some of it is age, because I think that the older people tend to be on the the spectrum of, yes, spiritual, sexual relations elevate us. And you know, meat, it's supposed to be there for us. This is how the animals chose. Whereas like the younger people, they're saying no. <laughs> but, um, and then, then there's like everyone in between, of course. So I'm interested in you speaking about this base chakra. And now um, Chandler, he really does not come from a spiritual basis, although I do feel he's more spiritual in nature that he may allow himself to think. He does believe in the soul, whatever that is, like he said, whatever that is. Well, let's um, clarify, Monique. Um, yeah, because, like, here's the thing with the soul thing. Like, um, a pe people have these different conflicting definitions of what a soul is, and so it depends on what's meant by a soul because – if by a soul they mean that there's like a ghost that floats around like Jacob Marley and this weird existence outside of people's body that they that they exist and have afterlives and weird stuff like that, I don't believe in that kind of a soul. But if by soul they just mean that something is alive, it's it's living, you know, it's it's some kind of life form. Um, then I tend to think, well, then anything alive has a soul. So whether it's a fly or, or maybe in a bacteria, like it's interesting how, like, you know, I come from a Christian background and here's a very common belief that people say, um, and even though there's no basis for this in the Bible or anywhere, they say, well, humans have souls, but other animals don't. Humans go to heaven or hell when they die based on whether they believe a certain thing. But dogs and cats and hamsters, well, they just stop existing after they die. And I thought, wait, that's bullshit. You know, there's something wrong with that view. Like, why would a certain type of animal have an afterlife whereas another one doesn't? Because then when you try to do that and say, well, all dogs go to heaven, but cats don't have any afterlife. 
when you do it with any other other two animals, then people think it's crazy. But when the, but people make a distinction between humans and animals as if they're somehow fundamentally different. And I don't, and that's a lot of the reason for being vegan, because I don't think that I, as a human, matter more than those other animals. That makes sense. Yes, in other words, you're not a speciesist. Exactly. But I would like, I would like to know if you feel that the soul is there in all creatures from like an energy standpoint, but you feel that once the creature passes away, what about the theory energy is neither created or destroyed? Well, here's an interesting way. That's true. The law of conservation of mass energy, like um, like energy or matter is never created or destroyed. It just changes form. So here's how I would look at that, Monique. Like, let's say you have the parts of a computer. Like, I, I think I like to think of us as computers uh, in a sense because computers are amazing. You know, they store data that they remember it. They can do tasks, you know, just like like we do. But if that, if let's say if that computer is taken apart, if it's smashed by, by something, like it's blown away in a hurricane and smashed against a wall, well, all the parts are there. All the matter that made up that computer is all there, but there's no way to reassemble the hard drive and get the files that were on it after it's destroyed. Because in a sense, what we think of, like Monique, as we, we think of a person, we think of their memories really kind of make the person as we think of them because their experiences through life changes the person they are. And so when a person has Alzheimer's, for example, they become a different person uh, over time as they lose their memories because it's like that parts of that person that made them unique and the way they were is gone. And I don't think that can be restored. So while the energy is neither created nor destroyed, but changes form, the specific arrangement of the matter required for the brain to store memories or a computer hard drive to store video or audio or text files, that won't happen again. I don't see any way of those things coming back together. So that's how I look at it. At least not randomly, right. that's for sure. What? At least not randomly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, first, I would say nothing is really random. Like, that's that's kind of a funny thing in itself. Like, if when, yeah. if people use random to mean something happening for no reason, I don't think anything happens without a cause for it, so. Nope. That's I sure. have to interject, Chandler, because I know that you know what I'm talking about. There is a spirit and there is a soul of a person. So how would you differentiate the two? Well, what's interesting is that's what I've heard in churches. Even my mom said that kind of thing, there's a spirit and a soul. But I've used them interchangeably because I can't distinguish a difference. Because, like, you know, in books and movies and cartoons and video games, they will be used interchangeably. They'll be, they'll be used interchangeably, like, say, oh, you know, like the Christians will say, oh, well, your spirit goes to heaven or your soul goes to heaven. Or the, like, they'll use them interchangeably almost so i thought they were synonyms but i don't know maybe you're saying some people use them to mean actual different things they are yes and i didn't know that either until it was pointed out to me so like 
in the philosophy of reincarnation, like, I think it's, um, mm, I don't, mm, I, I think they're saying, like, it's the same soul going into the body, whereas, like, if someone was maybe possessed or whatnot, it's like the spirit going into the body, something like that, but I'd have to look that, that up more. Um, sorry, listeners, we don't know everything, but yeah, we can't know everything. (laughs) We should know, you should know that there is a difference between soul and spirit. Uh, Mike, do you have anything to say about that? I think the distinction made was using the then terminology for ego or the pseudo self. Ah, the pseudo self. Interesting. It's like, low, kind of the, like the lowercase i on the surface of the uppercase. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, um, like I know in Buddhism, there's this idea of like the self being an illusion. And I think self is even a, a, a conflicting word. Um, but if someone uses like a soul uh, to mean self, for example... That, that turns into another discussion quite altogether because I would try to say that there is only one real self, one real soul or spirit, whatever you call it, because exactly. we're all life, you know, and it's, and we, and sure we make dis- distinctions about we have different names for people. We think of different people as different people as being a self, but we're all really the same stuff, aren't we? Yep. Are you familiar with the term Lila? No. It's Is that the word that uh, that libertarian Gary Johnson didn't know? I'm kidding. That was Lipo or something. Oh, I don't know either. <laughs> Guys, you're not <laughs> laughing. You don't know the joke. No, I don't know the joke, Monique. <laughs> okay, that's because you're now following politics. No. He was at, he was in a debate. He really wanted a debate, a presidential debate, and he was asked um, about the city, a, a city in Syria, but he didn't know what it was. He said, "What's that?" And it was like all the rage for two days on the news that Gary Johnson, the Libertarian, didn't know the city in Syria. Oh boy. <laughs> anyway, That's continuing crazy. on. But yes, it's um. It's a Sanskrit term meaning literally play, huh. as in as in the one you go to a theater to see, used to describe basically the entirety of the phenomenal creation. It is essentially a play put on, directed by, starring, casted by the same one. <laughs> that sounds like my wholesome heckler sketches. I'm like a one-man band. <laughs> <laughs> That's existence. God's one man band project. <laughs> yeah. See, now this is interesting because it's it's a little bit related to like pantheism, you know, the idea that a few of my co-hosts on the other podcasts I do are about like George Ortega and Papa Ortiz, like they they're into pantheism like God is the universe, you know, the universe meaning all of reality. So there's really only one thing. So we're all connected. There is no actual separation. It's just our perception. And bingo was his name-o. 
<laughs> yeah, because that, that is how I look at it. Um, but what's interesting is I think there's a, a certain thing about semantics that happens because people use different words to describe what they are. Some use... Yeah, it does get lost in translation for sure. Oh, yeah. Because, like, cause, you know, there's people, they want to, people who call themselves by the name of a certain religion, like, they'll call themselves a Christian, like, for example, but there'll be millions of Christians who can't agree on anything. And then, the, and then I call myself atheist because it's one of the most clear ways, especially in America, to let people know that I don't want to be associated with those Christians because they're scary. That, uh, like, I think there's some really scary stuff about Christianity. I don't want to get too off topic, but especially when you consider that there would even be a metaphor of um, eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood. It's like, how carnivorous is this? You know, like, <laughs> it's not, yeah. Christianity isn't vegan. That's my point. <laughs> At least not, not what's uh, passing for it today. The original, original path as laid down pretty much was. Yeah. Huh? Or, original Wait. Christianity. Yeah. Well, like... Could you clarify? Like, how... Well, yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Like, sin, wasn't Christianity basically sort of an offshoot... It was hijacked. ...of Judaism? Fun fact. All three Abrahamic paths are descended from... Sanatana Dharma, which is the proper term for the um, scientific philosophical framework of India that uh, the Greeks so ungraciously watered down and misnamed Hinduism. Huh. I mean, there's the, the Trinity isn't a Christian thing or a Jewish thing or whatever. It's co it's common in all world paths. Yeah, I know that there's a great similarity between a lot of the teachings of, say, Hinduism, and then some of the monotheistic religions. Like, there's certain certain similarities you'll see because I I say that they are all related because they're based on some common common ancestor in a sense. Indeed. Yeah. And talking about the Bible, there's so much admitted one of the most intriguing and interesting things is the missing years the missing years yes where did jesus between the ages of 13 and 30 i believe it was where did he go where was he it just said he grew in age and and stature and wisdom or something it yeah i heard that too, that he's he went to India and he learned yeah all he, that. Uh, he back. he followed the Silk Road with a camel tra uh, caravan went to India Bhutan Tibet all over there studying with the various spirit true spiritual masters and he eventually learned the science of Kriya Yoga Huh. But I want to get back to why you interjected when Chandler said Christianity the was very carnivorous with the 
the reference to Jesus's, you know, you eat this flesh and drink my blood. Oh, yes. Well, part of it is the, um, in India, the, the uh, Ahimsa principle is basically followed not just by the Jains, but all true adherence to the Dharma. And so it became a tenant in original early Christianity. If you look at the um, sect, the Desert Dwelling sect, the, uh, what was their name? They were an ascetic um, Desert Dwelling monks. Jesus lived with them for a number of years. Was it the Essenes? Yes, the Essenes. They embraced a largely, if not completely raw, vegan diet as part of their part of their own faith and lifestyle. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, you, you obviously, um, like anyone who grows up in a, in a Christian environment, especially in America, like you never hear this stuff. This is, it's still a lot of foreign stuff to me because I only know Christianity in its current form where they say, oh, here's the Bible with 66 books in it and everything in it is true and you believe it or go to hell, basically. You know, that's, that's kind of what I know of Christianity. And what I find difficult about that is that, well, clearly God's not vegan. If you believe those stories, he commanded animal sacrifice, commanded wars where humans killing other humans and animals and all sorts of stuff. There's 66 books in the Bible according to Christianity in America? Well, actually, I do know that that's the Protestant thing. I know the Catholics have more books in their Bible, which is very interesting. You may not have known that, Monique, but yeah, I, I didn't even know for most of my life that the Catholics had more books of their Bible than the Protestants do. But the Protestants only accept like 39 books of the Old Testament and 27 books of the New Testament, so it's like 66 books. And they say, well, everything in the ha that is written in those books is all true. It all happened. Now, there are some who say, well, no, it's more metaphor. And they can't agree on what's true or what was just a story to prove some point. So, you know, they can't agree on what their texts mean. Um, but, but, it, but in any case, it looks very carnivorous, especially Leviticus. <laughs> it's very, a lot of killing. And so I couldn't what? Well, pretty early on, it was hijacked by the ever so carnist Roman Empire. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah, and we and we would have no way of knowing precisely what it was before because we've just um, we've just inherited what happened with the Roman Empire forming of the Roman Catholic Church, Constantine um, setting the canon the way it was. Well, I have to interject here. I'm busting. Uh, last night, or actually this morning, when I drove into my parking spot on the street, my odometer read, and there's a picture on my Facebook, guys. You can look. Um, it read 114. 333, and right next to it was the temperature 66. Now, I want to say that according to 
websites that I've seen, Joanne's, Angel Scribes, and other um, master number sites, 333 is supposed to be the Christ consciousness number, hmm. the universal teaching. And then 11, well, it's usually like 1111 or 111. That means the angels around, also triple fours. Um, so the combination of 114 ascending, that's an angel number in itself, saying the angels are around. The 333 next to it was the Christ consciousness. And I don't like the number six because I always attribute it to the triple six, um, hmm. even though it's not um, necessarily so negative. But usually what it means is you're off balance, you're looking to material. So I'm like, oh, I don't like this 6-6. Six, six. But now you're saying there's 66 Bible books or books in the Bible um, in the Protestant Bible. So that's like interesting that you would just say that. And I just saw this number and that we're like talking about this. Yeah. One thing like I to say is like with the number thing is like to me, numbers just represent how many of an object there are. You know, like I don't assign any meaning to them beyond that and I think it's very interesting um, that, that that whole thing because I'm familiar with the whole idea like the people have about the 666 they take it from something in the book of Revelation where they just heavily heavily <clears throat> got um, encrypted with all kinds of devices it's not you know not to be understood by someone off you know, off the corner. <laughs> That's why so few actually get it. Yeah. I, I, it's not, very, very little of it is literal. Yeah, it's, it's weird because there's a lot of people who read the book of Revelation and say that everything in there exactly as described is going to happen and, get, and there's movies about it and children are scared and traumatized the rest of their life and all sorts of weird stuff, you know. That is the true aim of all that, is to sow fear and disorder and division. Huh. Yeah, and of course, now, I didn't want us to get this off topic, because we were going to be talking about the connections between celibacy and... Yeah, <laughs> we're going to get back to that. We're going to get back to that. We're going to thread it all around. But um, wait, Chandler, you do want to say one thing, but I also want to say another thing that backtracking. Uh, I didn't know it was because of the Romans that the books were so like carnivorous. I want to make mention that I am half Italian. And so going to Italian restaurants and having meals growing up, um, there was a lot of meat, actually. There was lamb chops. There was veal. I loved veal. I didn't know that it was baby cow, but it was like the best because it was nice and soft. Who knows? You know, who knows as a child unless you're really like on an elevated level. Like some kids are. I'm seeing some kids on oh. Facebook. There are videos. I, you know, yeah, I won't eat animals. Like they're three years old. I, I can't believe it. You know, they, they just know. And I think that um, that's like... I'm tingling. I think that's like the new generation coming up where they're, yeah, they're more enlightened. They're coming back to remind us more and more, you know. I'm getting the chills. And seriously, guys, I do know that the chills mean that angels are around. There's like some spiritual thing. Even when you watch a movie and you you see something and you're highly sensitized to something, you know, people there's think, a reason for that. 
people think that heaven, you know, the afterlife, the, the beautiful hereafter, it's so far away and out of reach. It's everywhere at all times. It's a matter of vibrational degree. That's it. Huh. You know, everything is energy. Energy yeah, and vibration and frequency. Gonna say, say, say what you were going to say and then get, let's get to the vibrational and the energy here because, you know, you, you don't have to call it spiritual, like, you know, because, I mean, Chandler feels his way, but maybe we can, like, kind of, like, oh. interlude the two and see why is it that all three of us are celibate? You already said your story and, you know, Chandler kind of said his and I want to say mine again, you know, and how that brings into the into the vegan and for all of us, the asexuality, because there are people who are sexual, but they are celibate. And so let's try to, like, make the three combined on why us three different people on three different locations and three different bodies, two different genders, Not you know, why we are that systems. way. Yeah, I want to say, you know, we have different belief systems, whole different opinions on whatever spiritual or soul or religion anyway, but that doesn't get in the way of us all being celibate vegans. You know, it's like, so I, that's what I really think is I think that people who have seen that celibacy or veganism is the right thing or who are asexual, um, you know, it fit, they have to fit that fact into their religion. They have to fit that into their worldview. And the way that plays out turns really funny sometimes. So, um, yeah, Mike, why don't you talk a little bit about everything is a vibration and how does that, uh, how, how does that fuse into celibacy, asexuality, and veganism, please? Well, all life is vibrational in nature, as quantum science has recently verified. Matter is just vibrating energy. And humans, the human humanoid form rather, as there are many, not just on this planet, I'll get to that some other time, <laughs> we are not meant to reproduce in such a dense manner, let's, let's say. I, ideally, and indeed in higher vibrational realms, the manner of bringing others forth is through sheer will alone. As Tesla said, everything is energy, vibration, and frequency. And if you... Tesla was celibate, possibly an asexual. Oh, definitely. That attributed, I think, greatly to his receptivity to the various insights he um, he brought forth. Huh. Huh. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to think of it. This is totally foreign stuff to me. Um, Poor Chandler. He's in Kansas yeah. City, Missouri. Almost. Yeah. See, because, like, with me, like, 
I don't need I don't need vibrations or special numbers on on the clock to know why celibacy is is important and why veganism is the only way to practice nonviolence and how celibacy plays into that. So I just I just view things in terms of causes and effect, and some things just cause more bad than good. Exactly, cause and effect. That is the name of the game. Yeah. Everything. Game? Every, huh. Game. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember. It means play or game in uh, Sanskrit. So life? life is a game. Life is play. What's going uh, on? Well, <laughs> now Modi's confused. <laughs> well, that's that's the um, original intent. I mean, in the Bible, in the Quran, and Torah. I don't know about the Torah so much, but definitely the um, the mist the mystic branch. Uh, Kabbalah's book, the uh, Zohar, yes, in the Zohar, they all say that the purpose of this life is to a evolve and b and have fun doing it. Yeah, well, that sounds nice. Um, if it... well, yeah, but, uh, somewhere down the line, the message got mis- you know misgeborched, and here we are. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's interesting because, like, now, this is what I know of Protestant Christianity. Life is about suffering as much as you as, as possible in this life somehow because to get some kind of better afterlife. It's a weird thing. Like, people have this mindset like, oh, well, you don't get to be happy until after you die and go to heaven. No- yeah, there's this weird <laughs> skewed patriarchal um lower age view of God as being this, you know, harsh, cold, you know, grandfatherly type that is only pleased if we're suffering. And that is totally not true. <laughs> right? The opposite. Yeah, it, it, it's weird now. And what, what I'll tell you is just about um, everyone like me who thinks this life is the only life we get is a focus on approving this life rather than earning brownie points to get some kind of afterlife after you die because what's because that because that's weird because I, it doesn't even make sense because there's that question everyone asks well why are we here and i feel like christianity provides a pretty um poor answer well your purpose is to believe a bunch of stuff and follow these sets of rules and based on how you do you either burn in hell forever or you go to heaven and you're blissed out forever and that seems like a weird thing. Why not just send everyone to heaven to begin with? Why bother with this life as it is? <laughs> hey, Chandler, oh. I want to interject that I didn't become vegan or celibate because I saw a bunch of numbers. The fact of the matter is I seem to see numbers at poignant times of my life. For instance, I just looked, uh, I have my eyes closed during this call because I'm really focused in, um, on what you are saying. And we had been talking for 44 minutes and 19 seconds. Well, you know, again, I say the 44, that means the angels are around. And one is especially angel number nine means that you're, um, you're evolving, you're, you know, next phase of your life. And I've, I've constantly seen like the 419 together when it means that I'm going into another step. So I'm just, and now my head's tingling again. He's, he's probably thinking, what is this crazy lady saying? But I'm just, 
saying that like I had these um these dispositions without these numbers. It's just it seems to me that it's almost like whatever the higher power, if you believe in something like that, creator, I'm not trying to get religious. I'm just saying that I do believe that there's something that's bringing us all together. And Mike, you can interject on that after I'm done speaking on this. But I just feel that it's like, yes, Monique, you know, you're on the right path. Or yes, this is happening right now. Take a look. Because otherwise possibly like something could startle me you know like what if there is like a spirit that just like is in front of me that's gonna like really startle me like I really don't want to see that and I think that my connection is like you know pal there's the numbers also like I do have a math degree and maybe that has something to do with it but I know that um oh goodness gracious I forget what it is but there's like something called the golden ratio ah yes Oh, okay. What is it? Can you tell me? Because I forget. Um, so, yeah. So, it, it, it's just like if you're in a forest and all of a sudden you see a trail of breadcrumbs, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you're on the right path. And, like, here's another clue. Okay, you've done well. Like, that's kind of how I feel that this is happening to me. And it may happen to you and it may not happen to you. But there's there are people along the way that are seeing these numbers. And you know, as Mike was saying, everything it, now it's proven, Mike, that everything is like vibrating. I mean, as far as I know, in science class, there were like electrons going around protons. To me, that's like rotating enough. To me, that's vibrating enough. Chandler, you said to me yesterday that we're on the same wavelength. So just with you saying that to me, that's like vocab for saying, yeah, like you do believe that like there's a vibration wave kind of going on. Um, but you know, there is cause and effect. And I just think that it's all working in conjunction with one another. All right, Michael, the golden ratio, please. I forget what it is. So what's this mean, this golden ratio? Why is it important? Just let, let our listeners know and me, cause I forget. It's basically the blueprint for the phenomenal universe. Well, there I go. I mean, you know, if I'm seeing, forget, what is it? One. Point six one eight zero three three nine eight eight seven four nine eight nine four eight four two zero. Another interesting, uh, relevant sort of tangent: the field of quantum physics, as it is, owes its existence to the founding fathers being Vedantists. That is to say, followers of. Vedanta. They were fluent in Sanskrit and all knew the um, the Vedas. The founding fathers of our country? No, no, no. Of quantum physics. The the, oh. the, field, the field of quantum physics. Well, that's Although, <laughs> that would have been nice too. Yeah, that would. I I think things would be way different then. Okay, so we're all celibate and we're asexual. Um, we discussed the base chakra, and as I was saying, there's people in groups that would say, oh, sex, sex will take you to a higher realm, and then there's people that say, no, sex is like the lowest, you know, and people like us. <laughs> yeah. It does I mean, usually, 
it does usually drain, but um, I don't know how familiar you are with the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. I am not. Sutra basically means a treatise. So it's the, the, the treatise, tre uh, treatise of yoga, which means union. And one of them is Kama Sutra. Kama is a word which basically um, equivalents to physical desire, lust. And it's a very specific step-by-step -step guide that well, enables... I have heard of the Karma Sutra. I have heard of that. It's a guide to um, enable um, lovers consummating to use that as a way to um, elevate their consciousness, which it is, but only if certain, um, you know, precautions, aspect, uh, things are observed. You, you know, um, I had all this stuff that I was prepared to say that I'm afraid I won't get time to say uh, because all we've been talking for an hour and so far it's been like numbers and souls and history of, of religions, which is all interesting stuff, I got to say. But I thought we were going to be talking more about why someone who is vegan would want to be celibate and the connection between asexuality and celibacy and stuff like that. And so I had some stuff about that I wanted to say about that that I have on my mind. Um, so do you want me might you to say what I had prepared to say or fire away? All righty. Yeah. See, um, because I wanted to make an important point because like Monique has faced discrimination like even in asexual groups for even mentioning celibacy, and it's weird how much of the asexual community who acknowledges that asexuality, you know, the lack of sexual attraction or the lack of interest in sex is a real thing. For some reason, they can't stand people mentioning celibacy and they, they're hostile to that. And yet when you think about it, is, wouldn't it be true that the majority of asexuals um, would be celibate unless somebody else has pressured them into doing something they're not interested in doing in the first place? That makes sense, right? It's certainly logical. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like they go together a lot more. Like, ace, like asexual, asexuals um, would be celibate in general, but in any case, they're such a minority. Being cel celibate is a minor minority position, just like it's m a minority to lack sexual attraction, and sadly, it's a minority for people to be vegan. And yet, I understand perfectly the connection between some of these things because, like for me, one of the main reasons for being celibate, there's tons of reasons. There's no way anyone could ever talk me into having sex. But one of the main things is why risk reproducing and creating new children who will hurt and kill the other animals because there's no guarantee they'll be vegan. And so that's part of why I wish for human extinction, and I tend to agree with the voluntary human extinction movement a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely too many of us around. Well, I want to mention that there are vegans that feel that they want to have children because they want their children to be vegan. They want to raise them as being vegan. 
And, you know, there it's really difficult in this world because there's a lot of challenges on that. You know, Italy wants to make it a law that um, it's, it would be. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's illegal, illegal to, yeah. to raise your child vegan up to a certain age because there's been a few deaths which I personally don't even feel had anything to do with veganism. It's just that the and the proper nutrient. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. crazy that they want to make it illegal. Where is this, did you say? Italy. Okay, I am not going to Italy. (laughs) And it's it's sort of ironic because not long uh, before that silly uh, um, politician lady proposed doing that, the the new uh, female mayor of Turin wanted to begin work on making Turin the first entirely vegan city. Huh. That would be like the first time there would ever be a vegan city. <laughs> yeah, that would be silly. that would be a definite sign that you know things are changing for the better. And that's in Italy too. Yeah, uh, Turin, like the shroud. Okay. Which is where it was found. I think it's, uh, I don't know, I want to say southern, but I'm not sure. Yeah. See, and this is what's so frustrating is that veganism, it, you know, the not, not, not um, eating animal products and not, not using things, basically not killing and torturing animals for the sake of food or profit with other things. I mean, it's just a, a, an application of the nonviolence principle, and I'm against violence. And so, I, I what I find really hard to deal with is I find it really hard to deal with. First of all, so many people are resistant to veganism because they like being violent and they like killing. But yep. what? And while I like like you mentioned, there are people who they want to have children so they can raise their children as as vegans. But unfortunately. Um, I mean, I, it's a nice thought, but unfortunately, I'm still not so sure that that works because kids don't do what their parents raise them to do anyway. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying, I mean, it's very true. And a person that you might have on your free will uh, show—what's the title of your other show? Free will. Yeah, free will, science, and religion. That's the other podcast I do with some guys. Okay, so. Um, someone who may be on your show that uh, is in my comedy sketch team, his name is Jonathan, he said that he was raised Seventh-day Adventist, and but he started eating meat anyway. So you're right, and I've heard of other people that are um, raised not eating meat and they go the other way, Chandler. So it doesn't always work that way. Also, a lot of times vegans even though they want their children to be vegan and possibly raise them they're also going to be free-minded enough to say well you know you make a choice when you're such and such age if you want to have meat or not you know because they feel that they're giving they're not imposing their belief system on their children they're allowing them to decide and yeah I've heard many a times that children have like wanted to like taste a hamburger or whatnot. So 
I agree with you on that. Yeah, see, that's the problem, guys, is that, first of all, people are raised um, carnists by families. They go vegan. There are people who raise vegan who turn carnists later. And so one thing is for sure. Parents cannot stop children from doing things that they don't want them to do. So basically, in a sense, what's going to happen, anytime you reproduce, your children will do something horrific that you would never think of doing, and which is why I tend to be so negative about it, because it's like, what? it's almost like, what's the point of, of giving up, you know, you know, animal products myself and trying to live vegan and this nonviolent thing where I don't even want to kill insects. What's the point of that if I were to reproduce and have and unleash a killer into the world? <laughs> you know, because look, there's a tiny, tiny chance they may share my worldview and behave as I do. But that's a very, very, that's not a risk worth taking because it's not likely. Well, as time goes on, it's more and more likely. I'd like to think so. I would like to see people change. My, my goal is to see people change because I have a feeling that the human race is not going to be going extinct anytime soon, as much as I would, would like it to. <laughs> but uh, It's, it's, it's going to change, but it's definitely not going to go away. Right, and so obviously it changes happens uh, slowly over time, even though I wish there was a quick fix to it all. But yeah, so yeah, that's that's the important thing is that we we you know when we can educate people on issues about why going vegan. There's so many good vegan activists. There's so many good reasons for that. So that there, being vegan is nothing new. There's plenty of sources outside of this podcast that people can find out about what suffering those animals have to go through for them to have their meat and their cheese and their eggs and yep. stuff like that. But there's really no nothing promoting celibacy, like no mainstream thing promoting celibacy. The most you have, like in America, in North America, like that I know of is, well, you have the Catholic Church, but they're only like abstinence till marriage, which Monique and I have talked about how wrong that is and I, <laughs> in our previous episodes. Hmm. Yeah, and, um, and also celibacy is designated for those that are going to marry God, priests, monks nuns you know it, it it's it's like if you say you're celibate then people automatically think that you're going to go into a religious order <laughs> yeah too bad i'm not religious enough to join a religious order and be a priest <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean with all the things that we've discussed in this show alone that, you know, there's some pretty wretched things in the American Christian, you know, Bible belief. Like, I I would hesitate going into any religious order as well because I don't necessarily believe it all, you know. Even if, and it, and if, it, if everything did happen, some of it seems pretty, like, wretched. You know, and just the fact that you're saying about, you know, saying I drink uh, the blood and eat the flesh of Jesus, like you, the way you put it, that doesn't sound good either. It's and not. Just, and yeah. It, and like, why did why, you know, why be crucified 
when I like Mike's vision where we have to evolve and do well, but as little suffering as possible. And so all the things that we talked about prior to, you know, in our tangent actually brings us back to the fact of why, you know, we want to be celibate, but not we're not necessarily religious and how celibacy does tie in with asexuality, but how some asexuals aren't celibate because they want to please their partner. And why do they want to please their partner? Because maybe some of them are married. Maybe some of them feel that they have to. Right. Yeah. It's not something uh, they want to do. So, I mean, I spoke to somebody the other day, and he, I feel that he's more of a demisexual. He's, like, confused. He thought he was an asexual, but now he thinks maybe he's a demisexual. And he he said he'd never force sex upon anyone in a relationship. He said if the person wants to, then he would compromise, even though he doesn't really like it. But if she, you know, doesn't want to, like, then that's fine, too. There'll never be any force. And this is somebody that considers himself quite spiritual. And I think he is, too. So, but, I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you think of the, you know, ace? I mean, in, in some ways, that's, like, that's good. Like, that this person will never impose his will upon anyone else. That's good. But then, like, what's to say, like, who is he? Who is he? Is he, is, you know, is he ace? Is he demi? Is he even demi? Because now, now he's saying, like, okay, well, if the person wants to, I will. But if the yeah. person doesn't want to, you know, I really don't want to. He's just know, going I have a, Yeah, I have a thought about that, you know, like... When there's someone who's like that, they say that, oh, they don't want to impose their will on someone else. They don't want, you know, they don't want to do something unless somebody else wants to. I mean, on a certain way, people view that as respectable. They look at that as a good thing. But I almost feel like sometimes that person is not being true to themselves because what they are doing is there a way go. they're imposing other people's will upon themselves. In a sense, by just by just going along with whatever everyone else wants, and I feel like that's kind of the reverse problem that some have. Yeah, there is unfortunately uh, still a very prevalent, you know, bully or pushover doormat dichotomy prevalent in the societal psyche. Yeah, and you know, this is important because like in the last two episodes, Monique and I talked about, you know, the whole celibate marriage idea. We talked about marriage, you know, what is it and different views on that and stuff. But one thing that's interesting, whether it's a marriage or whatever other kind of relationship, whether it's romantic or just between any two friends even, they're between the two of them, I tell you, one of them is going to be stronger will than the other. One of them will end up getting their way if they stay together, one of them will end up sacrificing what they want for the other. And I view that as a problem. Like I see that as a real problem um, where both people can't fully get what they want unless they do just remain single and live their life the way they want. So I'm still a little bit 
wondering whether relationships work or not. Yeah. And then let's, uh, let's go back to the Bible, shall we? Where it, I know it said somewhere where um, the gift of being single or something like that. Mm. Yeah, there said, was something um, in the later New Testament, one of the books of Paul or whatever. Um, I, think it might, I think it might have been 1 Corinthians 7 or might have been Romans 7. I can't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, there was something about how Paul was single and he wished that everyone was single as he was. So it's really interesting what you're saying because this poses also a problem. I agree with you. In fact, today I was thinking to myself, like, being single, I can just come and go as I please to an extent, of course, within the limits of reality. But, oh, here you know. One Corinthians same... found it, sorry. What was it? One Corinthians seven seven to eight. I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. Notice that he has, notice that he says some have the gift of singleness and some the gift of marriage. Uh, this is the author of the source I'm reading this from. Although it seems that nearly everyone marries, it is not necessarily God's will for everyone. Paul, for example, did not have to worry about the extra problems and stresses that come with marriage and or family. He devoted his life to spreading the word of God. He would not have been such a useful messenger if he had been married. And in the East, there's a similar tradition of the householder or the devout spiritual pursuer. Either way is fine. Yeah, I think that this fits into the idea between why they want priests to be celibate and unmarried because they have this idea like that. It, that, this, that diminishes what someone's calling or their goal in life is. I think that's a big part of it. It can, but used, at, used rightly as the tool it is, it can actually augment and amplify that purpose. Yeah, I wonder if that's a possibility. Like if, if two people are in such harmony, such agreement about what they want to do, that they can actually help each other, then we could have a reverse situation. We don't see oh, it very often. but Most definitely. Um, where do you stand on soulmates? And Yeah, I'm not sure like the soulmate thing, what that really means. Well, there's, there's various... There's various kinds. There's, there's the romantic kind. There's the teacher-student kind. Any type of relationship, not just romantic. Huh. And every once in a while, a single soul, which has both aspects, masculine and feminine, splits so that the pure feminine feeling aspect and the pure masculine thinking, quote-unquote, reasoning logical aspect both incarnate in the exterior um, representation of that aspect whoa what? you lost me like what souls are masculine and feminine now like what <laughs> the, the neither but the first uh, I guess you could say onion layer of 
dichotomy is masculine and feminine from from the undifferentiated singularity before that. Huh. So all souls have both aspects. And every once in a while, these aspects split and incarnate into separate bodies. And so these two halves are drawn to each other and through various lives learn to work as one and then that soul can either incarnate completely or go to a higher vibrational realm. So in a, in a sense, what you're saying is that like two people are both like halves of the same soul or person or whatever. And when on occasion, yes. Yeah. So when combined, they're like one super person, a complete well-rounded person. Yes. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. Like that. I guess you could say someone who thinks with their heart and feels with their mind. Like maybe, maybe a way I would say it in my language is that someone would find their other half, like the other half of the person. Quite literally. Yes. The other person whose strengths cover their weaknesses and vice versa that make them both stronger together. Yes. Like puzzle pieces or something. Precisely. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, because I think there is such a, a case where such can happen, where two people can be partners, and whether romantically or business or whatever their goal is, animal rights activism or something, you know, where they will actually help make each other stronger. I mean, and that that I think that's pr a pretty rare thing, but if it happens, that's good. Yeah, and. As we can see, as evidenced by um, social media, this is becoming less and less um, rare. Well, yeah, because now we're no longer limited to a certain geographical location where you don't meet somebody unless they are in your same town. Well, that's a huge part of it, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, I mean, we're all in different locations. I'm in Missouri, uh, Monique's in California, and you're in Uruguay. I mean, we're all, we w without the internet, we wouldn't be talking. This age of information is definitely an interesting one. Yeah. And we ain't seen nothing yet, as they say. Yeah, it just keeps improving. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, and, and I do like this information age because people can become more educated about things that previously were uh, a minority. Like, you wouldn't hear about asexuals because they, they all thought they were all alone. When, when they Supposedly, according to like polls, they only make up 1% of the population, which is still a lot, but it's not like they're all in one place, so they can't actually meet each other except to the Internet. That's where most of them gather. Yeah. let alone celibate asexuals. And, you know, we should really men make mention of what happened without um, pointing the finger at a specific group so I can, like, be positive. And <laughs> but I will say that what happened is I belong to um, a meetup in my area that was for asexuals. And... I asked if we could have a meetup at a vegan restaurant because they were having meetups at regular restaurants. And they said, 
will post it on the Facebook groups. There's two of them, so I did. So asexuals were in the minority, were about 1% of the total world population, and celibate asexuals are even more of a minority. As you were saying, Chandler, I, I've gotten um, slack from asexuals just by mentioning celibacy because they say, well, they're two different things. And I think that they want to maintain their identity of not being attracted sexually where like celibacy, they think it has some sort of religious connotation perhaps, or it's, it's something that is your own decision. Whereas I, 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 like that, I call it the scolded child mentality. Like they can't do it. They're restricted. Something is off limits from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They think a, they think abstinence. Well, I mean, abstinence is a decision, but they think that celibacy is a decision. It could be a decision. Or it may not be a decision, actually, but they know that asexuality is not a decision, it's an orientation, and that's why they're so upset. But they shouldn't be so negative about it, especially no. when someone's coming from a positive angle. And so what happened is, I belonged to a meetup, an asexual meetup, I was so happy, um, they were going to different restaurants. Michael and I met at one of those restaurants because he came to California to visit his sister. And then I thought, wow, wouldn't it be like a wonderful thing to have a asexual meetup at a vegan restaurant or a raw vegan restaurant? So I asked the meetup person and they said, okay, we'll put it on the Facebook group pages. And there were two of them. So I did. One was immediately taken down. And then the other was left up. And I asked why the other one was taken down. And they said, well, it seems like you just post it. You just joined the Facebook meetups and you just posted it. And it doesn't seem like you want to be part of the group. You just want to, you know, post it. And we've been around for a long time. And I said, but I asked permission. And they said, well, it doesn't really go for this one, but this one, it, it'll stay. Okay. And so then I posted it again on the same Facebook group, and then they took it down. And I said, well, I mean, I, they're like, it seems like you're just trying to put an ad up. And I'm like, no, I, I really think that asexuality and veganism and, you know, celibacy, they all go together. I, I and then this person was just kind of, I don't want to say coming at me, but not being like very receptive. And well, I guess maybe at that point I, I pushed a little bit politely, not, not rudely, but saying, you know, like I'm hurt, you know, because I'm trying to, I'm trying to unify all of us. And it just seems like you're coming at it from a, a I, a diverse kind of um, philosophy here. And anyway, that person blocked me from both of the asexual uh, Facebook groups. And I was distraught because I thought, wow, I've just figured out that I'm an asexual because like 
I'm I'm gonna have to say back in 2003 is when I th- or 2002 2003 I thought I was always gonna wait till I was married to have sexual relations, but I haven't done it to this um, extent. And I, now I'm older, I'm more developed, and even if I do get married, I'm not planning to have biolo- biological children. Like, why would I want to impose my body? as having like a foreign, you know, organ put in me, something that has like bodily fluids and whatnot, like, why would I want to do that? So, you know, that that's when I thought of the concept of celibate marriage, but I had to keep it like pretty hush hush, because people, they, they will like not like it at all. And I told it to a boyfriend at the time. And I guess he was kind of like confused or whatnot. And I, it just, I mean, our relationship deteriorated or whatnot. It was sa- sad for me. But anyway, let's get back to the fact that I found out that there's uh, a label, asexual, and I I embraced it. And now these people, they've blocked me. And so Michael was in town and I said, Michael, can we go to this symposium that they're going to have? Because I, you know, I... I was planning to go to it, although now I get like a message saying you're not welcome at the symposium, which was double like a double whammy for me. But I said, okay, let's just go. Um, and I just want to explain myself and, you know, and then we'll leave right before the meeting. We don't want to make it any like drama or anything, but I can't get to these people because I'm blocked. So Michael agreed and we went. And we told the security guard actually a little bit what happened because we figured if there was going to be some sort of a dispute when I was there or they thought I was like stalking them or something that that's not at all. It was just a friendly like here I am live and I can't get a hold of you and I just want to explain myself that I was so, you know, passionate about the whole vegan thing and asexuality and whatnot. Um, and, and, you know, we, I just want to say, you know, can you, can you put me back on? And, um, well, anyway, Michael and I, we tried and the person literally verbally attacked me saying that, oh, and they had also said that celibacy and asexuality were like different. That same person had came at me in the group, but now in person, they attacked me verbally saying, you know, you're, you know, you're better off, you know, meeting other people, you know, asexuality and celibacy, they're not the same. I mean, they really came at me and I left and I was really, I'm Michael, you remember how disappointed I was because I made a special trip out there. Oh, I, and was, so, I was excited, as excited for it as you were. I was totally floored by their, their, a unexpected and B unwarranted flat out rejection and <laughs> and um, basically animosity and and discrimination for goodness sake. I mean, asexuals yeah. have been discriminated for so long, right? So you would think that they wouldn't discriminate in, against another person's facet of asexuality. So then I was speaking with someone who maybe is a twin flame i'm not sure friend at least at the time and so i said can you please reach out to these people add yourself to the group um and 
because the person said he was asexual and, you know, say that this is discrimination, what happened, and, you know, it's wrong, and, you know, maybe you guys, you know, can talk or whatnot, maybe we can all talk, and that person came back at him abruptly saying, you know, I'm not going to speak to you about it, but I'll speak to Monique about it. I mean, of course, this isn't what wasn't the tone of like her voice because it was in written, but that's kind of how it sounded like in words. And at the time, I, I, you know, I was just too busy. And so I didn't get back to them because I had like tried in person and whatnot. And um, in fact, I was I'm not even sure how I could have gotten in touch with them because like they blocked me. So I just let it go. And that's been a little over a year. And that's when I took the um, the vegan bull by the horns, you know, that would be like a doll, the vegan bull, because mm. I would never touch an animal by its bulls, by its horns, <laughs> that abuse. And um, I, I, I made up the celibate, uh, asexual, sexual, vegan logic spiritual group that I have now I know that that's not the exact order of the words and that's how I started meeting people that were of like mind I'd say that most of them are celibate but not all of them are celibate um there's some people on there that I think that kind of have some of the aspects but not all the aspects um but that's why I made that group up and now I'm happy to say that there's over 30 people on there and from time to time on the um, different asexual sites that I, I do belong to in different countries um, and mm, like just overall like worldview asexuality, from time to time I'll post it and there'll be maybe a new member and sometimes I'll post it and there'll be no new members, you know, and I see that I'm definitely a minority of a minority, but I'm so glad that I made that because as we're saying, there's so many asexual people that either cave into the pressure or maybe like they decide that they don't really like sexual relations, but it's not bad. Or maybe they feel like a different way if they're in a relationship. Maybe they're, they're not as asexual as they thought. And I really want to have people in this group that say yeah like we're celibate like even if we're in a relationship we're not going to mix body fluids we're not going to get in we're not going to cave into pressure this is how we believe and as as Chandler you were saying you know or and and Mike you know if the two souls come together and they're like a power team almost they're going like, you know, the strengths and the weaknesses, they like help each other and they're not actually getting in, in each other's way and compromising. If there could be a relationship like that, awesome. But I think that the celibacy would like be even better because now you're not like getting ready. You're not preparing for sex. You're not like having to, you know, put the condom on or, you know, take the pill that's going to like mess up your hormones or, you know, the, the, the condom that might break or, you know, why would somebody, why would a woman want to have like a rubber in her? Seriously, that's not natural. It's not, it's it man-made. The whole thing sounds stressful. All the stuff they got to worry about. 
it sounds really stressful to me. I mean, you can get allergic or, um, you know, and, and if people say, oh, well, it's spiritual to have sexual relations in marriage, says who? A man had to make a man had to invent that condom. God hmm. didn't invent that condom. There you go. And, and the first condoms was made out of sheepskin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, vegan thing. And again, did God make the condom out of sheepskin? No. Man made the sheepskin. Does a woman want to have a sheepskin up her? Well, I don't. Well, Monique, I have to say. I, okay, I have to say, interject there a little bit. Okay, now, while I don't believe this personally, I know what some people will say. Well, they'll say, well, God made the sheepskin <laughs> so that people could turn it in into a condom or whatever. People will do that. People will say, oh, well, that's why God made sheep, so we can take their skin and do this with it. It's like, ugh. Reductionist Ew. patriarchal poppycock. Yeah, people try to uh, and make there be a meaning or purpose of things, which clearly um, there was none, or it's not especially a skewed, misinterpreted meaning. <laughs> yeah, like the idea that God put the animals here so that we could eat them. <laughs> it's like, well, what are the plants for then? Which looks like it were designed to be eaten? The plants or the animals? Because the animals run away. <laughs> Yeah, I don't recall burying a bucket of KFC and having a full coop of live hens next morning. <laughs> oh, man. You know? By, by the way, men, things can happen to men, too. Um, and I'm not just talking about, like, diseases. I went to a website, oh, and they were, they were showing, like, rashes on the... Um, you know, the male organ. Um, actually, here and I am. Uh, I'm on the website right now. It says friction burn. Ouch. Cock ring swelling. Oh, uh, hell no. Suction marks. That's more like, that's with hickeys. Like, uh, bite wound. Well, well again, that's... Website, not they get to experience... Uh. Sore... Sore penis and sore balls. I mean, oh. I, I, you know, look, everything is a chance. You walk out the door and it's a chance. You know, you walk across the street, you could possibly get hit by something. Everything is a chance. But there's certain things that are worth, worth like, taking the chances on and others that aren't. And I would say that sex has way too many, like, reversal side yeah, like, I just don't see where it's necessary. And to say that it's spiritual when, you know, you you know it's a man-made latex rubber uh, container to put your goods in, to put into another, it, it that doesn't seem spiritual to me. Oh, man. You, you know, and that's here's the thing about, it. like I said before, like, a person who's asexual... They would not even have the desire enough to make it worth going through all that stress and hassle. All of that sounds stressful. It sounds dangerous. It sounds like so much negative that comes from it. And so, what I'm surprised. Practical, illogical, yeah. counterintuitive. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. And so what I'm wondering is maybe whatever this uh, this sexual desire, the sex drive, as people call it sometimes, 
that is what makes people stupid because that trumps all other considerations. Something's dangerous and harmful and stressful and it just makes their lives miserable, but it's like their sexual desire ruins their lives because it makes them do all these things that they don't really want to do, but because they want sex. And that's what makes it so stupid. <laughs> You're yeah, right. The, the, the energy, the impulse, you know, it's like a pilot light. It's meant, you know, you can't operate the whole oven with just the pilot light. It's meant to spark and light a flame and, above it gets heated in turn. The root chakra is meant to be activated in, you know, um, whatever. Yeah. But now, and to keep going up the spine. Now, I wanted to say, guys, in, in about 14 minutes, I'm supposed to get on and do the podcast with the other guys, the Free Will Science Religion podcast. And so I hate to cut this interesting and gross conversation so short but <laughs> but we have been, we've been talking for like an hour and 45 minutes so is there a way we could wrap this up within a few minutes what we well michael you're the main guest and you really wanted to link celibacy with the asexuality and the veganism so i would love to like just hear you talk for the next few minutes um, using all the information we've put out there today. Michael, please link it together for all of us because that's why you were so um, thrilled to be on our show today. Um, I don't know if you see it there, the first link I sent you guys, yogananda.harmony.com, the PDF. Um, if you guys would... Yeah, I saw you put a link there. If you would quick open it and go to page 38... Okay. The author goes into the full spectrum of reasons why human as a species is frugivorous. One of the reasons, physiologically, are most of them are for grinding, some are for slicing. Slicing what? Hard fruit, nuts, hard vegetables, and our guts. I don't know, like two to three times the length of our body. We need all that extra space to rich diet that we naturally are built for yeah um, and now I'm, ha I'm having trouble with with the PDF but were you reading from it or um, no no I was, I was I was just um going based off it but if you if you um, go to page I think the second paragraph on page 38 is where it starts right living well I'll the... include the link to that PDF when I when I post uh, this podcast when we publish it so the people Alrighty. will look at the whole thing already but yes he goes into why we are meant to be vegan from a spiritual aspect from a biophysiological mechanical aspect evolutionary the whole thing and then and then the connection between asexuality and celibacy with the veganism Yes, because the next segment, actually, the or chapter, is about reproduction, sexuality, love, attraction, and the true purpose behind it all, which is unity, reunion, actually. Everything is sort of a expansion and contraction to and from a singular point. I don't know if uh, you get what I mean, but the I true do. purpose of the true purpose of attraction and procreation, everything is to 
reverence of unity. I'm sorry, you cut out. To what of unity? Oh, um, to help us remember that everything is actually one and this show of form, you know, diverse forms and whatnot, it's all just a fun farce. Now, if you're going to be, if you feel the need to be celibate, then you're really saying that you're an asexual. Yeah. Whereas if you say you're an asexual, you would like to be celibate, but some people do not go celibate for the various reasons we've mentioned. So yeah. I don't think like it works both ways. But if you desire... But it's a possibility, be, I mean. Well, it's, yeah. It's definitely not implausible. Although if you desire to be celibate, you could be sexual too. Unless you're like completely um, throwing out that energy of your body. If you're just like, what do you call it? You're cleansing yourself of that desire and then you just really want to be celibate mm. so much that you may be a sexual being, but you turn into an asexual being. I'm trying to get that link there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, Monique, because here's the deal. What I think happens is that people like people's desire, what they desire based on new information that comes their way, I think could change their sexual orientation. I think it's actually possible for it to change. I agree with you on that, Chandler. And I just heard of uh, a study that came out as far as eating healthy foods. Your brain can start wanting to crave the healthy foods over the junk the more you give it the healthy food. Exactly. Yeah. So people are able, able to change more than they think they are. I, like, and I so, think it only takes, like, what, 21 days to rewire your habit network interesting but yeah i think it can change i think it's possible for somebody to desire to be celibate for whatever logical or spiritual reasons whatever reasons that it may be for them that leads them to that that may actually turn them asexual in the end because their desire to be celibate it overpowers whatever sexual desires they may have had in the past. Very good observation. And I want to make mention that in the beginning of my celibate, vegan, lo logic, spiritual Facebook group, which I hope people will join, I was getting a minimum amount of followers. And now... In the past few months, I've gotten more and more. And I'm thinking it, it's possible, not just because I've posted it, but because asexuality is now more out in the open and accepted and whatnot, and people are discussing and whatnot, and maybe they're really saying to themselves, hey, I really do want to be celibate, and I don't want people to force me. You know, there's other people that think this way, and that's why it's growing. And so, like, it, it is changing. Um, and, and as far as the vegan thing goes, like, even with the brain wanting healthier foods, and that wasn't necessarily a vegan study, but even within the realm of veganism, you could be a junk food vegan. And sometimes I'll eat vegan junk food, and then I'll want more. But then I cut it out. I'm like, no, gotta got to be more pure Got to go yeah. more raw, and then the I'll time, then start craving that. 
the last know? time I ate those um, soy sausages or whatever the the um, the vegetable protein links, I actually got physically ill. Oh, I believe it because I actually um, indulged a few days ago. Like I had a small McDonald's French fry, and then the day before I had a small McDonald's French fry. And wouldn't you know, on the second day that I had it, practically like right after I ate it, I felt a pimple on my face, and I have very clear skin. So. You know, that's a sign like, hey, you're doing something wrong. Just like when you have like sex and you're getting like all this, you know, a yeast infection or, you know, other sorts of things like, hey, your body's doing something wrong. You know, hey, your male organ has like rashes on it from friction. You're doing something wrong. So, um, yeah, it's really important for us to listen to our bodies. And that's why, again like the link between celibacy, veganism, and, you know, becoming like asexual, not having that sexual attraction to a person, you know, still feeling the love, I hope, but not having the actual like animalistic thing that could be, you know, result in consequences, why they really do all link towards one another in the end. Yeah, I think they do, and I, I really wish we had more time to talk more about it, but it took us so long to get to the topic that we're kind of out of time, and I and I and in four minutes, I'm supposed to be doing the other podcast, so you guys mind if I closed out this one? That will be fine, and we can talk at a later date, and I hope that the other information that we produce in our tangents are helpful. Yeah, I... I think it'll be helpful. I think Monique, Monique just got disconnected from the call or something. But anyway, yeah, you've been listening to Celibate Vegan Compadres uh, with Chandler Klebs, Monique Lukens, and Mike. And we've been talking about a lot of topics. We were, we were trying to talk about the connection between celibacy, asexuality, and veganism, how they may be related and help each other out. But we, they also talked about some other interesting stuff about religious history and souls and numbers and fun stuff like that. So that may be interesting. So I plan on leaving the bulk of that in. But anyway, we will continue these discussions because I'm sure there's more to say in future episodes. So I guess for now, uh, I'll just have to say thank you for listening and goodbye.